0: If you have your Bible with you this morning, could you turn to Acts chapter 16, as we are reading Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 10. Over the last few weeks, we have been immersed in a new series of studies entitled, Encountering the Power of the Holy Spirit. And so today, as we come to Acts 16, we are reading an incident in the life of the Apostle Paul that is not a well-known incident. And it is strange and surprising all at the same time. So let's begin Acts chapter 16, verse 1. He came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. And Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. And so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they travelled from town to town, they delivered the decision reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions travelled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Amen. And we trust that God will bless to us these readings from his word. I have the enormous privilege of fairly regularly meeting folks who are remarkable individuals, not only remarkable in character and personality, but remarkable in faith. People whom God has touched and drawn them into a relationship with Himself. People who, over years of faithfulness, have shown what it means to follow Him in days of great blessing. Days when God has answered one prayer and then another and another. Days when he's drawn them into an ever-increasing relationship with himself. But they've also followed him in the moments when they've struggled. In the moments when things have not gone well, did not turn out the way they had hoped. And this morning I want to tell you a story of Clarice Norman. Clarice was born in the 1920s. She tells me she's 39 years old, I'm not convinced, but that's what she tells me, and she's a remarkable lady. And a few weeks ago on Easter Sunday night, here in Greenville, when tornadoes came through, a tornado came to her neighbourhood and in fact uprooted a tree in her garden. And an enormous tree came down through her roof into her bedroom where she was sleeping and caused, you can just imagine, the damage that it caused. And when I asked Clarice what did she do, she said she got up, went into the next room and waited till the next morning before she called anyone. And the remarkable thing for me is this, that when I began to ask her to tell me a little more about the incident, she told me that as the tree came down, it came down through the roof into her bedroom, and mainly the only part of her room that wasn't impacted was that little slither of her bed where she was fast asleep. And I asked her at the end of the conversation, what is she doing? Are folks helping her? She said, yes, Richard, I have my niece helping me. She's come up from Georgia and my insurance folks are helping and I've had so many offers of help. There's not a thing you can do. The Lord is looking after me and I'm blessed. Now isn't that a remarkable response for someone in their 90s who just escaped, being crushed by a tree in the middle of a tornado to say, the Lord is looking after me and I've been blessed. I suspect for most of us at some point in our life, and it may not be as dramatic as Clarice, we have found ourselves in situations where things turned out in an unexpected manner. Circumstances changed, we hadn't seen that come, and we found ourselves facing circumstances and difficulties that we simply hadn't anticipated. Difficult days. Other times, we've been looking forward to an event, we've been planning and praying and hoping and dreaming, perhaps moving house, perhaps moving city, taking up, a new position, and in the purposes of God, it didn't turn out the way we had initially hoped. How do you respond in those moments of disappointment, in those moments when, after praying for so long and hoping for so much and opening up your heart and mind and soul to God knowing that this seemed the perfect answer to your prayers and yet God firmly closed the door how do you respond? well if that describes you in some way come with me please this morning to Acts chapter 16 as in Acts chapter 16 here we find the apostle Paul He's taking up what's called his second missionary journey. He is going back to visit congregations and churches he had established in previous years. And he's going to meet with them and encourage them and pray with them. And unfortunately, things do not work out the way he had hoped. He'd been to Derby and Lystra. And let me give you the context of the passage And he'd been to Derby and Lystra, and I've put a map up and you'll be able to see it on your screen. And if you look at the bottom right-hand side of the map where you see a large city in ancient Israel called Caesarea. There's a green line pointing down to Jerusalem. And if you follow from Jerusalem north, follow the green line, then turn to the west through Tarsus after Antioch, you'll find Lystra and Derbe and Iconium. And those are the cities and towns that Paul has been writing about. And so Acts 16 opens up in the context of what we would call modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor. And he came to Derby and then to Lystra. Brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of Timothy. And so that gives us the context. And then Luke, the author of the book of Acts, does what he often does. He gives us from time to time throughout the book of Acts what New Testament callers call a summary paragraph. He sums up in just a sentence or two what is taking place. And in this case, it simply is a sentence. Verse 5, he writes, So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. And then, as we move in to the major part of our study this morning at verse 6, we read, Paul and his companions travelled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Now pause for a second. If on the map you can still see Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. Let me zoom in a little and give you a closer look. There it is, just on the right-hand side. And if you continue north from Iconium, do you see Galatia? And then right up on the coast you see Bithynia. That's the region Paul was in. Then in verse 6, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, Then we read these strange words. Not only strange, but surprising. Because you know that in preparing for this journey, the Apostle Paul would, of course, have prepared, worked out an itinerary, knew approximately where he would stay at night. He'd been praying for several weeks before he began this journey. And then we discover having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Isn't that strange? Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And immediately in our minds we are thinking, why would God stop the Apostle Paul preaching anywhere? This was Paul's primary call, was to spread the gospel, was to tell others of the love and grace of God. To tell others that it is possible to know Him and follow Him and know Him intimately and walk with Him each day to have lives transformed to feel and sense his cleansing power, his strengthening and enabling grace for each and every day. That's what was taking place when people respond to the gospel. And now we read that the Holy Spirit had stopped him from preaching the gospel, or as we see in the passage, the word in the province of Asia. And the question, of course, is why? Why would God do such a thing? Please understand what's happening here. The passage doesn't tell us that there was bad weather and a tornado fell in their home. It's not what it says. It doesn't tell us that someone became sick and they were unable to travel. It doesn't tell us there was bad weather and they couldn't get through mountain passes and reach other towns and cities. None of that is here. Notice exactly what it says The Holy Spirit kept them from preaching. So the question is, what is going on here? And I wonder if sometimes you have found yourself in a similar situation. As a young couple, perhaps, you've been married five, six years, longing for a family to have children of your own, and you've prayed and hoped and tried. You have chatted with medical doctors and specialists. and They have held out a little hope. But as the weeks go into months and the months go into a year and then 15 months and 18 months, nothing has changed. And inside you are aching, aching for children. Every time you're around them, the pain increases Oh, you smile patiently and love being round them, but inside you are hurting. Why would God not answer your prayer? Would it be such a bad thing if you had a child? Because you would love them and care for them and pray for them and spoil them and have so much fun. And yet, God has not answered your prayers To this point, what is going on? Or it could be that recently, in the midst of all of the restrictions of COVID-19, so many have been placed in furlough, others have lost their job, businesses have collapsed, and your hopes and dreams and future career has turned to ash in your hand. How are you going to feed your family, pay your rent, your mortgage? What does the future look like for you? What on earth is going on? And you're praying and trusting and hoping. Where is God in the middle of all of this? And I imagine the Apostle Paul had similar feelings. What is going on here? What is happening And so, here is the Apostle Paul having to wrestle with all that's taking place. Circumstances have changed unexpectedly. It's been sudden, unanticipated. And whenever we find ourselves in a situation like that, it often takes time for us to slow down, take a deep breath, Father, what are you doing? What is going on here? And notice what comes immediately after verse 6. Verse 6 is clear. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in Asia, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. Do you see the words? They tried. I wonder if you found yourself doing exactly that. And things haven't worked out. You've thought, well, maybe it's time to try something else. Maybe I should try another avenue. Maybe I should go this way. Maybe I haven't prayed hard enough. Maybe I should pray even more fervently. Maybe I should get the advice from family and friends and others. Maybe I should just keep going. Maybe I'm not seeing what God is doing. And it takes time to pause, think, and pray, and reassess, and ask again and again, Father, what are you doing? And often those are the moments and it's time to be still. And here is Paul and his companions doing exactly what we would have done, Timothy and Silas. They try from another direction. It may be for you that your greatest single prayer is not for a child, or a new job, or a new home. But you may well be walking through the loss of a loved one, a husband, a wife, a child. The pain has been at times overwhelming. Perhaps a suicide in the family. How do you begin to recover from pain that is so deep, so overwhelming, so intense, you do not know where to turn next? How do you ever recover from that? Or maybe you were just on the very edge, just on the very edge of opening up a new career and a new business. You had all of the finance in place. The bank were very comfortable with the collateral you've offered. They were signed on to a loan. You had employees lined up. A new building an office space to take. You couldn't wait to see what was happening next. And now, through no fault of your own, you are not just back to square one, but several steps beyond square one, trying to progress through, thinking, what on earth is going on here? And you may be tempted to think, well, in tough times, this is the time when the tough get going. This is the time to dig deep. This is the time to show a little leadership, initiative, creativity. How else can I do this? Can I work my way around it? Is this a time to show commitment and dedication and keep going regardless of the circumstance because when the tough, what is it they say? When the going gets tough, the tough get going. This is the day for leadership initiative. The scriptures also teach that leadership is seen in patience. Leadership is seen in trust. Leadership is seen in maturity and growth and careful analysis of all that you're going through and prayer right in the midst of it all. Right in the midst of it all. Do you remember last Sunday when we explored the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self Control. Those attributes come, those fruits grow when a relationship with the Holy Spirit is cultivated and nurtured and encouraged and nourished. And that takes time and patience and trust. That's what's called keeping in step with the spirit do you remember last sunday we made the point there is no point running out ahead of the holy spirit there is no point lagging behind him but keeping in step with him and that is absolutely dependent on your daily relationship with him and here is the apostle paul about to learn that lesson Because here he was, thinking, Father, what are you doing? Tried one way, it didn't work. Tried another, it didn't work. It tells us they tried. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Twice, in quick succession. This isn't the place for you. This isn't the time. And so the question is, why would God do that? in the purposes of God. His plans were so much greater for Paul and Timothy and Silas and yet they could not see it. They could not see it because they were so focused on the immediate, on the now, that they couldn't see the larger picture of all that God was doing. And what God was doing was this. He was directing them away from Bithynia and away from Galatia in the north of Turkey, he was directing them to Troas. And when they arrived at Troas, God spoke to them very clearly in a dream. And they moved from Troas over to Greece. And for the first time in all of history, the gospel invaded Europe. And it began with that journey of the Apostle Paul, going from Troas to Thessalonica and Berea and Philippi, and then down to Athens and Corinth. And God was moving them an entirely new direction. And they rightly had followed His call. They were being faithful. They were holding on to Him. They were persevering. And the gospel began to take root in Europe. God's purposes and plans were so much greater. There are times when we pray about moving to a new home, new job, starting a new career, opening up a new business. God taps you on the shoulder, gets your attention, And your hopes and dreams didn't come to pass because we tend to think that that is his rejection. But what if his seeming rejection is in fact not rejection, but redirection? And that's exactly what was happening to the Apostle Paul. Exactly what was happening. It was redirection, not rejection. And in the midst of days like that, it takes time and patience and trust to understand all that God is doing. We can't always see it at the time. There are times we are so wounded, so hurt with those extreme situations of losing a child or a suicide or a spouse. We are so wounded, so hurt, we can't think straight. All we do is simply get up. And get through the day. But in the midst of those days, he is still there, still caring, still loving, still walking with you. Please forgive me for this rather simplistic illustration, but it was so personal to me when it happened. Two years ago I had major dental surgery up here in my mouth and it involved three extractions. It involved cutting away the jawbone that was a very nasty infection and it subsequently meant bone graft and then implants and subsequently replacement crowns. And in the middle of all of that infection the doctor said to me this will take a long time and I asked him why does it take so long and he says well when you have invasive surgery when I need to dig deep and when I stitch the wound back up it takes time for the wound to heal the tissue to grow become mature the bone to graft back again and only at the right time can I then move to the next stage. I'll never forget that. It takes time for growth and maturity. It takes time to understand at moments of deep heart what God is doing. It takes time to mature. Do you remember again last Sunday when we talked about our relationship with God. Sometimes it feels as if we're a wee boy trying on our father's jacket and it's too long in the arms and goes down to our feet. It takes time to grow and develop. And as God grows and develops us, often it will be the painful things in our life that He will use, not simply to frustrate us, not simply to deny us what we want, but to bring maturity and growth ready for what is coming next. And here was Paul and Silas and Timothy being taught such a valuable lesson. Time and patience and trust are marks of maturity and growth. Patience and prayer matters. When there's mystery and frustration and you've asked and you've prayed and no doors are opening, God is still at work in the messiness of everyday life. And as we begin to wrap things up this morning, let me be as pastoral and gentle as I possibly can. Please hear this. When we are planning and hoping, and praying, and longing, God is not obliged to go along with our deepest wishes and prayers. He's not. But He often so works in our lives to refine us and fashion us and shape us in order that we will go along with His And when we surrender and surrender fully and absolutely and we submit to His rule and reign, that's when He retunes and recalibrates our deepest affections and we willingly then begin to follow Him. Let me close with a quotation I came across several years ago And it reads like this Disappointment, grief, and pain change us. The pain sculpts us into someone who understands more deeply, appreciates more quickly, cries more easily, hopes more desperately, and loves more openly. That's grace, that's maturity. That's growth at work. And the days when we can't understand what he's doing, the days when we are so focused on what's lying immediately in front of us, and when we are focused on the challenge, when our only horizon is the pain and the disappointment that we have faced, please remember, we are focused on that, and God the Holy Spirit is focused on that on us and asking who are they becoming in the midst of the disappointment and the frustration and the pain because his ultimate goal is to make us more like Christ in times when we don't understand what he's doing in those moments when we cannot see him at work please remember this his vision 2020 our vision is not and we absolutely can trust him let's pray father thank you for this passage of scripture this morning and thank you that you have reminded us again of your love and your grace and your goodness And so we thank you that in days when we do not understand what you are doing, in the days when we are so disappointed, so hurt, so uncertain, remind us powerfully that you are still there. Father, encourage us, strengthen us, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.